today on Ag News Daily. I suggest people to, to plant sorghum. Hmm? And in this area, for the village, sorghum is a totem. It's, uh, it's religious. Oh. They can't plant sorghum. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and a happy Friday to one and all. I'm Mike Pearson, joined today by Delaney Howell. And Delaney, are you having a Friday? Uh, I took a little nap today, so I'm feeling a little, little more Friday-ish, yeah. Yeah, I would say a nap. You're kind of living the dream. Yeah, it was pretty good. Clearly, we need to give you more work to do. I was a little tired. I haven't been feeling well. I've been fighting a cold, and I wanted to have a little energy ahead of today's Market to Market taping. Very cool. Well, let's see. We've got uh, uh, some more interviews. Well, eight an interview we'll play today from the mm-hmm. World Food Prize. And I think we're going to take a trip down to Argentina today. Delaney, what do you think? That sounds like a good idea to me, Mike. Perfect, folks. So stay tuned. We'll talk Argentina and Africa with our interview. But Delaney, before we jump into that, what's the news on this Friday? What's the haps, as the kids say? I don't think kids say that, Mike. You don't think so? No, I don't. Okay. <laughs> but good try. Yeah. Pay for effort. Well, good. Um, Mike, there's not a lot of news today. It's kind of a slow Friday episode. I'm going to kick it off here with um, President Trump and President or, uh, Secretary Perdue asking lawmakers to reauthorize or authorize another big package of disaster assistance for Southeast farmers after the recent hurricanes. Um, Secretary Perdue said, quote, current safety net programs we have for farms in the farm bill are not going to be adequate for this kind of devastation. So far, as you discussed yesterday, we've seen like $2.9 billion in damage to crop and timber just in Georgia alone. So they're going to be making a big ask, it sounds like, for some sort of disaster relief package And I'd be interested to talk to a producer from, you know, Georgia, North Carolina, one of those states that got hit pretty hard. When they say they put together these disaster relief packages, what really happens from a producer level? Are you receiving some sort of compensation? Do you get more payout Mm -hmm. in, like, crop insurance? Yeah, it's it's extra money. Extra money. Okay. Yep, yep, typically it's. So I know my only experience with them was when we had the drought of Mm -hmm. 2012, And most of Iowa, I believe all of Iowa, was declared a disaster area for livestock producers. And so if you could prove you had X number of head of cattle or that you had to sell X number of head because you ran out of feed, there was a payment that went along with it. Now, in that case, there wasn't any type of disaster program for corn and soybean producers Mm -hmm. because they had crop insurance that Mm -hmm. paid, you know, the higher price at harvest. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I, I don't know how this particular program would be structured. I think that's something that I'm guessing the ag groups down in Georgia and Florida and the North Carolina are probably going to try to have some say in. Yeah, I would assume you're right. Well, Mike, this news or this uh, announcement that they're trying to put together a disaster relief package is coming on the heels of the USDA trying to cut down on spending. They are trying to meet or exceed President Trump's demand for a 5% cut in spending across the federal government. And um, USDA is also trying to hit that 5% deduction. So I don't know what they're going to cut to get things like disaster relief programs in place. Well, and I think a disaster relief program would be new money. That would come, I think it has to be allocated by Congress. 
But I do know that USDA was thinking about moving the ERS, Mm -hmm. the statistical service, out of D.C. and putting it in some other town. We, We never really got an idea as to where. But the thought was, these are statisticians. They don't need to be in the highest cost city in the country. We can move them someplace else and cut down some costs that way. But once that move was announced, I believe every agribusiness group wrote in and said, hey, don't move them because we all come to D.C. and we need to have interactions with these people. So I believe that plan has been put on hold. Okay. Yeah. And I think uh, the the relocation of that Mm -hmm. organization, a lot of people in like, or a lot of towns, or I don't know who's the ones that are coming up and saying, hey, yeah, you should put it here. But a lot of cities are in Iowa and the Midwest are trying to vie for that uh, relocation. Absolutely. Ames would be a great spot for it, Secretary Sonny, if you're listening. I think that's one of the locations that has stepped forward and said, hey, come here. We've got the VDL lab already. We've got, you know, some other government stuff going on. So I don't know. I mean, government checks don't bounce. That's why everybody wants that in their town. (laughs) That's true. They're not a check for me. Or they could give you like an IOU, you know, if we ran out of money. Then are they worth anything? Yeah. Yeah, they are. We've seen that with the various government shutdowns. They continue to pay out afterwards. Well, actually, while we're talking about government stuff, the government did something else today, Delaney, and you probably saw this since it's African swine fever related. I did. Yeah, so we have now suspended all imports of pork from Poland over their outbreak of uh, African swine fever. It continues to spread fairly rapidly there. And what was interesting to me is it's not just we've stopped importing pork. We didn't import a lot of pork from Poland to begin with. But we are also going to be doing enhanced bag checks of Polish visitors coming to the U.S. Mm. to make sure they're not sneaking anything in, which I thought was, I, I guess... Bizarre. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't hear that portion of it. Yeah, they're. Uh, huh. Oh, let's see. They're working with Customs and Border Protection to enhance screening of passenger bags coming from Poland. Basically, I, because African swine fever can still exist in the flesh of dead right. animals. I guess they're worried about somebody bringing a, a hog carcass in. I think mm. I'd notice if I was sitting next to that fella on the plane. Well, I think it's maybe not a hog carcass, but, like, a lot of times people will bring in, like, ham or some sort of, like, pork product to cook. Like, I've seen people bring meat on the plane before. Hmm. So I'm guessing that's probably what it is. Yeah, you're probably right. So, visitors, if you're coming from Poland, be prepared to chuck that pork jerky in the (laughs) trash can before you board the plane. Nice. Well, we got to protect our herd. (laughs) Well, I've got a little bit... um, a little bit of news kind of to curtail off of that, Mike, about Chinese African swine fever. And an interesting article on Reuters today saying that China is expecting hog prices to rise ahead of their New Year lunar event, even with African swine fever outbreaks. They're saying their hog prices are set to rise before that holiday in February. Um, and that is according to their agricultural ministry I guess they're expected to climb ahead of this festival because replenishment of herds by some farmers um, should pick up because more people are going to eat pork during this time. It's a big celebration in their country, and they're expecting to, I guess, chew through some of this herd. But the question I have, so if we, we know for sure, right, that if you eat 
a pig infected by African swine fever, you won't get sick. Right. Yep. Does not affect humans. Whatever, whatever, you know, genetic thing it touches, humans don't have. Okay. So I guess that's their thought process is um, they're going to chew through some of this pork. Cool. I, I guess eat it ahead of having to cull it. I'm not quite sure what their thought process is for why they expect prices to rise so dramatically. I think it's because they're going to see an increase in demand as people get out there. You know, for I, them, yeah, right. this is like our grilling season. You know, it's when everybody fires up their, their grills and, and eats pork. At the same time, they're having to cull their herd. So they're going to see a decreased supply, increased demand, which, you know, usually are recipes for higher prices. Mm-hmm. So my guess is that's where that uh, was coming from, dramatically higher prices. I've got one other piece of Chinese news that I'm just going to jump into here on top of that, and that is about China's economic growth. Mm-hmm. They have reported um, that they have sank to the lowest le- economic levels, the slowest rate of growth since early 2009. Growth in this quarter that ended in September slipped to 6.5% over a year earlier, and this is this has been going on really since about January, they've had stock market that sagged 30% since January. They continue to um, be impacted by the tariff stuff. But it sounds like really, I think the tariffs was just the sugar on top or the cherry on top, as the saying goes, because a lot of this sounds like was kind of being built up. And then once those tariffs went into effect, it really kind of toppled from there. Yeah, yeah, could have been. I'm not all that familiar with what would have been cause and effect over there, but um, yeah, that stock market certainly has taken a hit in China. Mm-hmm. And actually, while we're on the topic of China, I've got a piece of Chinese news here. Tang Qi, the Minister of Agriculture and Rural Affairs, had a press briefing, and he said that domestic soybean acreage in China has increased and that China is set for a bumper harvest. Mm. Now, this is coming from the Chinese government, so of course they're going to say that. So we really don't have any idea, but he's saying it as a reason that, you know, we really are going to import 21 per 12, yeah, 21% fewer soybeans than expected, and we are also going to see continued soybean purchases uh, from Brazil going into China. Right now, Brazilian imports into China are at 70% of their total purchases. Last year, at this time, Brazilian purchases were 58% of Chinese soybean buys as they were transitioning to the new crop coming out of the U.S. So more slightly bearish news there in the soybean market, and I say slightly bearish just because it comes from the Chinese government, and I don't know how heavy traders, you know, weight that information. You know, I know we don't trust it completely, but are they, is it going to be a big harvest? Maybe not a record? Will it be a record? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? We just still don't really know if ours is going to be a record harvest either. Uh, no, we certainly do not. Mm-mm. Certainly but don't. the market will sort it out. The market will. The market has a way of doing that. It does, with price signals. Yeah. Well, speaking of price signals, Mike, should we jump into today's markets? Yes. Actually, I just have one more quick update. We had a comment from the new... 
Uh, oh, gosh, what is this guy's title? He's the new president for crop science at Bayer after the uh, the merger between uh, Bayer, uh, the purchase of Monsanto by Bayer. And he says that they are expecting the EPA to make their announcement on Dicamba, their mm. new decision about the label, very near in the very near future. So that's coming, folks. Will we get to use dicamba in 2019 in season? Will we only be allowed to use it for burn down? Stay tuned. EPA sounds like they're getting close to making a decision. All right. Well, let's see. If we're using it in season next year, will those beans we are using it in be worth anything? Let's take a look. And, folks, our markets are brought to us by our friends at the Zaner Group. Remember, you can get in touch with the talented and skilled market analysts and brokers at the Zaner Group by giving them a call at 312-277-0050 or visit them on the web at zaner.com. And to round out the week, we've got red on the screen in the grains. December corn closed down four cents at 366 and three quarters. The March also down four at 379 even. Soybeans continued yesterday's sell-off. November contract down seven cents at 856 and a half. The January down seven and three quarters at 870 even. Chicago wheat was a December contract actually up a penny, closed the day at 514 even, with the March unchanged at 537 excuse me, at 5.33 and a half. Looking over to the world of livestock, again, red all the way down. In live cattle, the October contract down 82.5 cents at 112.250. The December down 40 cents at 116.77 and a half. In feeder cattle, the October off 60 cents to close the week at 154.65, with November down 32.5 to finish at 154.10. And lean hogs, the December contract down 70 cents at 51.60, with the February down a dollar 20 to close the day at 59.02 and a half. And of course, we cannot forget about the dairy industry. Class three milk October contract unchanged at 15.55 with November also unchanged, finishing the week at 15.53. Let's take a trip down to Argentina with one of the attendees at the World Food Prize in Des Moines. What well, we are chatting with more farmers here from the Global Farmer Roundtable. Right now we've got Edgar Ramirez, who is from Argentina. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us, and uh, welcome to Iowa. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to stay here. Well, now we want to ask, we grow a lot of corn and soybeans here. You're from Cordoba region of Argentina. Yes. You also grow quite a few corn and soybean acres. Yes. Tell us a little bit, this year was a challenge. How does it look today? Today in Argentina, we are in, in my area, we are in the dry season yet. Okay. We expect to, to plant corn, but we couldn't. Oh. Um, Last uh, at the end of November we will harvest uh, the wheat. Um, I think that I I hope next month we can plant first soybean and at the end of the year plant corn. Edgar, I've got to ask because we're in the U.S. We're in Iowa, top soybean producing state. How has the U.S.-China trade mm. war or negotiations impacted Argentina from your perspective? What yes. have you seen? Ah, it's a problem, but this is the rules of the global world. In Argentina, we have now a, a serious economic problems, in, as in, you know. Our, all our numbers are in dollars. The seeds, yeah. the fertilizers, the inputs, all, the fuel. And when we imagine that we are going to sell our production at one price, and then for the situation of the world, the price get down, 
for us it's a big problem but it's the rules it's the same happen when the, the, the rains uh, appears a lot of a dry season is the rules of the of the of the, of the business mm -hmm. yeah and you, you mentioned the economic crisis that Argentina is seeing you know President Macri has been really came in on the platform of reducing export taxes it seemed like it was going to move a lot more Argentinian beans out into the world um, I've heard talk that export taxes might be raised does that sound like that could happen in Argentina yes the problem is that it's long to say because we are uh, like a wheel, always the same problems. Uh, 50 years ago, the same. 40 years ago, I don't know. In fact, how to manage it? But right. the, the the crisis always appear. The, the the reason is that the 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 state is very big, mm. where it's spend a lot of 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 money, and they need to take money of every place is mm -hmm. and taxes is a, a way of it's a problem yeah. but Edgar let's talk about your operation in particular tell us yes. a little bit about your farm and what you do in Argentina yes as you know Argentina in general the 70% of the, the farmers we don't have uh, land mm -hmm. we rent land okay um, in my case my family-in-law farmer is about 300 kilometers from Cordoba to the south and then I rent uh, with my partners uh, more land in every part of the province and in other provinces too. Wow. And predominantly corn and soybeans and a little bit of wheat? Was that mainly the crop rotation? Uh, in, in general, summer crops. Okay. Uh, soy, uh, soybean and corn and with no-till system because we, we love the technology and we are proud of it. Let's talk about the no-till system because you're doing a lot of research. You're heading to Africa to help implement no-till in Africa. Is that right? Yes. yes. Um, I am a member of APRESID. APRESID is Argentinian Non-Farming Association. And two years ago, the African Development Bank asked us to, to help with the uh, food production in Africa. The bank uh, launched a program called uh, Feed Africa and into the program it's a project first name uh, was uh, TASI the actual name is TAT is Technology for African Agriculture and Transformation mm. because the idea of the bank is in all the savanna of 26 different countries it's about 400 million hectares mm. it's more or less 12 Argentinas wow. in the area of, 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 of the production. Argentina plants about 32 million hectares. This is 400 million. Yeah. And they have the idea that uh, without irrigation system it's impossible to make agriculture. Mm. And I said that uh, it's wrong because with no system we learn how, how to, to store the rainwater, how to protect the soils, mm -hmm. how to do efficient agriculture. So the bank asked us to go to Ghana at the first time and to try to uh, adapt our technology. We are working there in four different plots. And then this year, last month, they asked me to go to Guinea. Ask, ask me now. Ask, I <laughs> <laughs> I have to go to Guinea 
to do the same. So when you talk about the technology that you're utilizing for no-till, um, up here, of course, we think of immediately Roundup-ready crops, Roundup-ready soy in particular, but I know in some places that's not an option. What else are growers using for no-till? Yes, remember that when I was young, sorry, younger, <laughs> we planted in Argentina, in every part of the world, uh, uh, no GMOs mm -hmm. uh, crops. Yeah. And we manage with different herbicides. Now, in Argentina, we have a problem because we manage in a wrong way the technology <coughs> of Roundup Ready. Mm -hmm. and we have a lot of weeds, resistant weeds. Mm -hmm. So we have to apply old chemicals. The same we are doing in Africa now. We are trying to the government, uh, let us uh, uh, get advanced with, with the GMOs, but this process. In August, I was with the uh, Minister of, uh, of uh, Food and Agriculture, the name is Mofa of Ghana, mm. and we asked him why they don't let plant GMOs crops. And he told, told us that uh, the 80% of the chicken that Ghana import is from Brazil, and the, the chicken was fed with uh, were fed with mm -hmm. uh, transgenic yeah. food. Mm -hmm. The same happened with me, with beef and with milk. So the, he think that is a question is if time. Okay. But in the round table and with people of the food whole food price speak, I think that people in Africa need uh, information because they are wrong in his idea. He think that if he uh, plants chimio corn they're going to eat insecticides. Mm. Mm. It's a big mistake. But we have to teach them, to show them that they are wrong. And, you know, we've got people in the U.S. that still feel that way. Mm -hmm. If you're eating a GMO crop, you're eating insecticide, and it, uh, it's on Facebook every day, that kind <laughs> yes. of misinformation. So now, in your work with Aproceed, when you look ahead, do you feel as though the, the technological, the no-till movement is catching on? Are you seeing more and more farmers look towards no-till when you work with them in Africa? Yes. 90% so, uh, of the crops in Argentina is about a no-till system. Mm -hmm. uh, this is important for us. Uh, I think that not only Africa, because we have to go sometimes to China, to New Zealand, to India and the cons uh, and the conditions of, of the environment, it's it's good for 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 no-till mm -hmm. because for agriculture you need soil, we need temperatures and we need water. Mm -hmm. And you have the three things, we can make a very good or efficient uh, make efficient agriculture with no-till. Mm -hmm. It's our idea. I think that. Yeah, it's worked in Argentina, yes. and it's worked in a lot of places mm -hmm. in the U.S. North yes. Dakota has been incredible with their adoption of no-till. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Edgar, bringing it back to Argentina, yes. do you see a lot of acres transitioning from corn or wheat into soybeans this year because of what's going on in the U.S.? Uh, in Argentina, we have a different condition that, that, that the U.S. for the logical. In the south of Buenos Aires, the main crop is wheat. Mm. And Argentina produce about, I think, more or less uh, 18 million tons of wheat. In the most part, it's south of central south of province of Buenos Aires. Mm. The other part of the country, we have dry season and wet season. And 
during wet season in spring and summer we have to make uh, summer crops so we plant in the rotation sometimes we can put some flower but in general we put 50% of soybean and 50% of corn and the other uh, year we rot mm. and this is the, the way mm -hmm. I produce that makes sense. That makes sense. And so that kind of limits the, the acreage expansion we can see. And for those of us who haven't been to Argentina, want to go but haven't been, <laughs> um, is there additional, we talk in Brazil about the Cerrado being, being converted to cropland. Is there additional acres in Argentina that can yet be converted to cropland? Or have you guys pretty much, you've cropped all you're uh, going to be I cropping? Think that, uh, I mean, when we think to go to Africa, we offer them the possibility to make the distance shorter because we made a lot of mistakes in Argentina when we developed the technology. We made agriculture in some fragile <coughs> situation. Mm -hmm. We cut a lot of trees. We, we know that we made and now we try to avoid Africa to commit the same mistakes. Mm -hmm. It's, we can share our experience. I think that it's most important. We don't teach them how to do it. We have to go to work together because they know the soil, they know the people, they know the culture, they know the, the rains, the insects. But we have to, to share experience, knowledge, and yeah. Well. They know their ground. They know the way their systems work. You're just helping them learn, maybe the best way to do that. Yeah, what to yes. avoid. And the and the culture because yeah. in in in. Uh, I don't know how we can say it, uh, Côte d'Ivoire or Ivory Coast. Mm -hmm. I, like, uh, I suggest people to, to plant sorghum. Mm -hmm. And in this area, for the village, sorghum is a totem. It's, uh, it's religious. Oh. They can't plant sorghum. Oh. It's a new for us too. Yeah. So we have to, to manage this, this because we have to work with the culture of the people. Right. Right, you can't. It's if it's religious, you're not going to be growing it. Yes. Go yes. for kale or something. Yes. Yeah. I suppose that's the same thing to India with cows and so on. Right. It's, we have to manage it. Right. We're always learning something. Yes. Well, Edgar, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. We really okay. appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Again, a big thank you to Edgar Ramirez. I love talking to producers from other countries. I just think it's so fascinating to hear what they're doing what, compared to what we're doing. And um, Edgar was definitely a great great interview for today. Absolutely. A very interesting guy. You can tell he's passionate about uh, no-till. He's passionate about sharing information. And uh, that's always a great thing. And Delaney, I was grateful that uh, Argentina doesn't have any more acres they can put into soybean production. Yes, that was a, a good piece of information. It was a good question, Mike. Well, thank you. But yeah. uh, let's see. We've got all sorts of good questions coming next week, and we've had good questions in the past, Delaney. If listeners want to hear them, where should they go? They should head to agnewsdaily.com. We've got all of our past episodes there. You can also send us your direct questions on social media at agnewsdaily on Facebook and Twitter. Mike, with that, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.